You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. It's a man who's tested the spiritual bounds with psychedelic enhancements. I'd, is that a good intro for you, or do you want something better? Yeah, go something. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. Are we, we're, we're on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just don't yeah, know how. Okay. It's so weird sometimes. Like, you're, it's your second time on, or technically third, but we'll say second. Um, <laughs> it's just, it, it, I don't know. How, it's always weird when you're trying to strike up a conversation. You say, hey, how's it going? Or let's do it this way. How are you doing today, Sebastian? I'm doing very well, Rob. How are you doing? Uh, it's like sunny and also raining really hard at the same time with thunder. So I'm like, is this is the end? So. <laughs> okay, cool. Now here is just hot, hot, hot. But nice, sunny. Yeah, no rain. So uh, no end in sight on this side of the pond. This morning, <laughs> I had to like take a minute to myself because like it was thundering and lightning out, but there was no rain or anything coming down. It was just like heat lightning. So like you get to see the whole night sky just light up like a Christmas tree when that lightning comes through. And it's like, whoa, this is like one of those moments. If you don't soak it in, you're going to remember it 10 years from now and wish you spent the time paying attention to it. Yeah, cool. So you recorded it in your memory. Yeah. How about yeah. say I didn't pull my phone out. <laughs> you know how many people? You know how many okay. people pull their phone out over like to take a moon picture? Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. Like it looks terrible. I'm like, no shit. We have iPhone 12s, but they still can't take a picture of the moon properly. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or of anything really. So like crazy. Well, I mean, obviously they take good pictures, but never compared to the reality, which is you know the thing you miss when you're trying to take a picture of it. The other day. Well, I think people miss reality on a daily basis. How much do we know of this reality? For instance, I have this new theory about people, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Okay, go for it. I think people, they say frequency, which I think frequency does light up a good part of the, like maybe the portion or chunk of like a best description of people i'd say but i would say more of like a coding i think if we're all ones and zeros like part of the simulation we're all zeros and ones and everything we interact with might have that certain code like for instance if i can tap my hands together clap my hands together my zeros and ones on my right hand are matching up to the zeros and ones on my left hand which is why we can physically touch it it's a physical object much with most physical objects our number patterns match up but if you soak up so much information, people say like if you get you dive down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories, you become a little bit all frantic and all over the place. Maybe because you're matching those ones and zeros that your body tries to assimilate to to feel normal. For instance, I've worked in a minority job my whole entire life. I've always been a minority in every position I've ever worked in. I've been like the only white guy. I would start to assimilate or try and find like characteristics or adapt certain traits to feel you know, to be a part of the group. It's kind of like, you know, if you're the exclude or you're the odd man out, you try and find ways to assimilate to the things that are around you. You pick up characteristics of your environment. Now, 
with like, for instance, if we talk about experiences or if we talk about like maybe the weight of the world, maybe so many people have identified their genetic code or adapted their coding to match a lot of the issues in the communities that they're involved with, rather than paying attention to the base layer trait, which is the code of the earth. When you take a minute to sit and relax and be able to focus in on the birds chirping, the trees moving, all these types of things that seem to be going on around you that you really don't pay attention to unless you really physically pull yourself out of this consumed world that you're in this little perspective mindset and really put yourself in the moment in time and the place that is happening around you right at this instant not a second past or not a second before the one you are in right now mm -hmm. very nice very nice i like that deep deep <laughs> deep, deep yeah quickly getting right down there yeah nice i mean it's um I'm not, I'm not like sold on the zeros and ones and the simulation, all that kind of stuff. But you know, that, that basic idea, I say very much the same thing in different idiom, basically partly, well, one way of doing it is with levels of consciousness or levels of reality. So I kind of, I lay out seven in my sort of philosophy and uh, those two that you're describing, I use kind of Egyptian and Greek words are the bar level which is the level of human society and human consciousness and the level of gaia which is the earth the, pl the planetary level so uh people talk about the matrix and i, I find that you know uh, fairly useful you know not not completely but and that's i guess what you're getting at with the zeros and ones you know it, we don't know if it's a, if it's a simulation or not but there is a sense in in which when we're interacting, when we're trying to conform, when we're doing what you're saying, kind of fitting into, you know, the people around us and really uh, concerned about how we're perceived and, you know, basically processing all this information, which is kind of like basically what society is, is that you could see us as kind of uh, information processing nodes in a mass societal network, which is the matrix, you know, if you, if you kind of zoom out a bit you can be in that matrix and you know anywhere in it and and um and you can analyze different ways that that kind of plays out and you know there's all sorts of things going on and you can also step out of the matrix and when you step out of it you step into something else and that something else generally tends to be this larger identification with you know these basic realities as you say uh of of the world around you so it does feel like you know people like commonly describe this feeling of, of you know waking up or just feeling just even feeling peaceful or just like calm and like you know no with a with a, 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 a empty mind where you can really really see what's in front of you you can see the trees you can hear the birds as you say and suddenly you're kind of in another it feels like another dimension it feels like another state of consciousness and i think uh, in, a, in a real in a sense it is and that you know moves or is a glimpse in a way towards more deeper more established mystical states uh mystical consciousness you know and so mystical experiences are kind of like the kind of like the far end of that kind of experience which you which you're d describing does that is that fair enough i think it's so easy 
to understand what reality truly is. But I think the only way that our brains want to soak it up is if with a drastic or some type of unrealistic expectation that we take at base value. Um, my biggest example could probably be religion, for instance, every single story being told when Moses part of the seas. I don't think it was like that. I think it's a bigger interpretation for uh, mm. a, a simpler meaning, much as like trying mm. to find yourself in a crowd or a bunch mm. of noise, you know, something as yeah, simple yeah, yeah. as that. Um, yeah, that was yeah. the loudest card honk I have ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> you are, must be right on street level. Um, From me? Yeah, I just heard a really? car honk. Okay, I didn't even catch that. You're obviously more awake than I am. Scared the crap out of me. Um, I'm well, it's just interesting because I think someone, um, a a pagan witch, our name's Carolyn, had told me that like witches on a broomstick, people look at that like as witches when really it might be a form of astral projection that's trying to be descriptive. And it's like that's a hundred percent when you're talking to a kid, you don't tell a child, hey. There's this, there's this, the gifts that we give you, it's your parents. On Christmas Day, we give you gifts. No, instead, you create this fantasy story about a man that comes through the chimneys, kisses you on the forehead, and then, wow, that comes off really scary if you really examine Christmas. Holy crap. But a, a guy giving you gifts where a bunch of elves are working in a factory creating these gifts for you, it makes a kid's eyes go into wonderment of mystery and all these unraveling things, such as like religion, for instance. If you say a man can turn water into wine and walk on water and all these amazing things, or was it something so simple? But if you create this hero, this figure, this legendary character with godlike power, you start to be able to understand it and have more belief in it than if you just said some simple things like that with the genetic ones and zeros. I think to understand the earth it's at a base value that we can all naturally understand but every single problem in your life everything you've ever experienced anything that goes up into your head to the down to the very niche thought is a one that's added where it's not supposed to be and to sadly understand the balance of the world or this hum this rhythm this frequency that the earth of the universe is on you have to remove every single one and zero that's been added from day one when you first came out of the womb and i look at that like is that the balance? Is this all this meditation, all these psychedelics that can really bring you back to base level? Can it also show you all the ones and zeros, all the problems in your life that truly, truly take you out of what the meaning of life is supposed to be, which is understanding where you are in the time and place that you're experiencing at this moment? Not five seconds ahead, not five seconds in the past. Not a year in the past, not 10 years in the past, not 15 years in the past, but right in this moment, as I'm talking to you right now, am I truly soaking in every single second and every single resource of this moment, or am I only choosing to pull the ones and zeros that best assimilate to what I have understand it as a person? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. There's a lot. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to oh. go this way, but it makes a lot of sense now I start getting into okay, it. Okay. 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 Let me try and circle around that one then. Okay. Well, the stories of religion. <laughs> this is this is something that I've been thinking about. Okay. I'm going to go back to the Christmas thing in a minute, but I'm just uh, happy I'm... it's recorded because that sounded so <laughs> deep that I want to look there, back. Man, at that. That's there forever. Uh, yeah. So what that. Okay. I've been thinking recently a lot about the the story of the Genesis of the, the Garden of Eden and of the, the tree of knowledge of, 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 of uh, good and evil. Yeah. So in a way, that's a, that's a story that you can tell children, you know, that Adam and Eve, they ate the, 
apple and were they banished from the Garden of Eden? What does that what does that really mean? You know, so again, these things have different levels, different layers of interpretation. It maybe means something along the lines of what you're saying that as we grow up from, a, let's say, our childhood innocence, and we add all of this stuff, ones and zeros, whatever you want to call it, you know, it could be knowledge, just generally, you know, this is a tree of knowledge, uh, most of it probably rubbish. Um, in what sense does that kind of banish us from this? this idea of this alignment, this kind of uh, paradise where we walk with God, so to speak, uh, and where, which potentially is here and now. So when you're saying that you are aligned, your ones and zeros or whatever, and you're right here and you're experiencing everything and it's all come together, in a sense, that is a timeless state beyond outside of time and outside of knowledge, outside of the matrix, and is, something like what in, in if you're telling a story would approximate to something like the Garden of Eden or Paradise. So that whole idea of the fall, I think, is is really important and central psychologically and also maybe in terms of our evolution. And um, it's the central myth in a way of, of, of Western understanding of spirituality and, and even of our civilization. And part of the reason, you know, one of the big pieces of why I'm Christian, as you see, you know, so you've got, got the Jesus behind me there, but uh, why this story, the, the broad Judeo-Christian story is so powerful, because it's telling this story of, of our relationship with reality, with the world around us, with each other, and how we've kind of fallen short of it, and how we've fallen from that, and the ways, the attempts to get back. So just very quick, like, basically, I just, recently, well, just now, actually, I saw on Twitter, someone posted a thing about just that about the the fruit of the garden of uh, eden and saying eat the fruit don't worry about it go on just just do it and so then i read the thing and it was making that kind of claim which is quite common among psychedelic circles that actually the serpent was this wise being that was a uh, you know it, it represents in the ancient world is you know it's symbolic of wisdom there's the Euroblast as well of infinity etc etc and actually it was the the, the knowledge was uh, a good thing. This is a kind of Gnostic take as well, that actually the, the, the baddie in this story is God who's forbidding uh, this knowledge that will make human beings gods, that was the promise, uh, but that we, by eating it, we basically liberate ourselves from this kind of tyrannical God, etc, etc. And then they make the claim, that the, the, the case that what does that fruit mean? And they, they connect it to grain, to the ergot on grain, so this relates to the witches again, and that this is a psychedelic. So that basically the, the fruit in the garden was the psychedelics that opened our eyes, opened our third eye if you want, made us see reality beyond the kind of structures that this kind of like uh, godfather kind of set, and basically was, you know, was maybe the story was inverted in order to control us, but actually that's that's the that's the, the real story. The Gnostic story is a story of like human enlightenment and liberation and and, and et cetera, et cetera. That's one way of, of looking at it. And just but you can also look at it in the opposite way, which is uh, how I which is the kind of conventional way of. Um, uh, which I think actually has more more mileage, actually, but I'll pause there because. Uh, you might want to comment on that. 
it's very strange to me you bringing up the apple for instance because i had a dream about that the other night i've been coming to kind of grips with something my dreams are very very intense um i offer up to anybody even you to be able to understand what these mean and have a deep meaning to but i've been coming to grips with i think the issue with the world is a lot of these people talk about these horrible corporate companies these things and i go i just think it's the same mindset that we have as people is you don't really care about anyone that's not your family or someone that you know it's very hard to have an emotion or have have a empathetic factor when it comes to a face you've never seen, even a face that's not even born yet. Nobody worries about the future generations. We care about the one we're in right now and we're trying to change as much as we possibly can. And when I was, I was, it's like I was back to where the apple was on the tree the very first before, like I was the only person alive. I didn't see Eve. I didn't, I wasn't Adam. I was just a person walking through and I'm walking through this, you know, I had to step over a, a fallen tree. And as I stepped over this fallen tree and I come to this big tree, I just look and I see all these apples here. And my brain starts thinking of the same thing of like, nobody cares about the generations after them. They only care about the one that they're in right now, the moment that you're in right now, the one lived for the moment. It's this moment that matters. I didn't see a snake. But when I walked up to this apple and I picked one from the tree, you know, I knew and echoing into my head, if I bit into this apple, what was this going to do? Were we all going to start to die? It's my biggest fears. Like what happens if we never ate the apple? Will we ever die? Will we be just living permanently forever? All all these people, these embodiments that we are. And I thought of, I know the risks, what happens when I bite this apple, that this is the one thing I'm not supposed to do. But why do I care about something that's not going to affect me? It's only going to affect people that follow. And I bit into this apple and I saw these ones and zeros. I started seeing all these things out of the apple chunk that I just had. I look where I bit and there's just zeros and ones and zeros and ones and ones and twos and zeros and ones. And I just go in my head, I'm thinking, what is this? And then a voice just comes out and just out of nowhere, it seems like it came from the clouds. I don't know where it was. It might've been like my subconscious reverberating into the dream. And they go, this is where the disconnect starts. Like this is where the disconnect is. And I think that's the slow process throughout life that you experience as this fresh thing, this baby first coming out of the womb, you start to tack, you start to, it's not really a fault of your own. It's fault of everything around you. You become what you are around you. You become a, every little fragment of everything that's surrounds you as your environment, your genetics, all these things are these implications that you have in yeah, your life. As you're socialized, basically. Yeah. But as I started to realize that when I bit into this apple and this voice just says like, this is where the disconnect begins. Mm, it, you start mm, to realize everything wow. that you've ever experienced after that is just tacking on more weight. And when you take like a drug or something and all these people talk about shedding the skin or whatever they have on them, it's tearing down the dirt. It's like power washing your car afterwards. It's this fresh thing. But once you start driving it again, you tack on more dirt slowly until you yeah, decide yeah. to wash it again. Yeah. 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 That's nice. Yeah. Wow, yeah, what a what a cool dream. Yeah. Um, cool or well, scary, I don't know. It's cool and scary, but I, I think it's cool, but, you know, this idea of the disconnect. Uh, let me tell you another little Twitter story, <laughs> which connects, which is actually, I've written a, a bit, you know, this is yes, from yesterday now, so not such recent past. Uh, it's basically, I read a, an article, an interview actually with Vice, uh called do psychedelics just provide comforting delusions so this was an interview with a, an australian philosopher called chris leatherby uh, and he's written a book 
which is coming out soon, I think, uh, called The Philosophy of Psychedelics. Something yeah, like you've that. mentioned them a couple of times. Have I? Yeah. No, I haven't. I've only just discovered them. I'm about to say, you talked about them last episode, the one I can't post. <laughs> All right. Possibly, possibly. Okay. Anyway. I listen. Uh, I listen. <laughs> okay. I didn't. You did. Leatherby. I've never heard anybody say that name to me ever. Really? You've said that now. Yes. Okay. 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 All right. I'll go with you. Anyway, basically, I found it fascinating because he was he was starting from a from this assumption that okay, uh, and it was I think Michael Pollan had asked this question as well. It seems that a lot of the therapeutic benefit that people get from taking psychedelics you know often the, the trials and the the research is done on people with with severe depression anxiety end of life anxiety all this kind of stuff or addiction um that they found that there's a very very strong correlation in terms of the the their positive outcomes and then kind of like getting over their mental issues with mystical experiences so that those that have the mystical experience on the psychedelic tends to do much better afterwards in terms of getting you know overcoming their their issues and so they've got all these different uh scales that they can basically judge the levels of these mystical experiences etc etc like psychological survey type type questionnaires uh and so that has kind of been a, a in the in the mix since right at the beginning since the 50s even when they were doing the marsh chapel experience etc you know so a lot of people they they took that kind of as read even though it was like a mystery why is that but they found that there's a correlation between these mystical experiences which kind of mean things about like you know feeling connected basically the sense of unity the sense of a higher power etc etc uh with also with psychological insights into your own condi conditions uh and then behavioral changes after that so what they're doing is this, they're saying, okay, is that, are those mystical uh, experiences real or are they just comforting delusions in that maybe, you know, because from a, from a like materialist, naturalist point of view, uh, all of that is just mumbo jumbo. All of that is just, you know what I mean? Spiritual nonsense, you know, um, but it somehow helps people. So if it helps people, does it even matter? Maybe, you know, you can like, go along with their delusions but from a naturalistic point of view it's like so that's one question and so then the, as he's following it on he's saying okay maybe it's not even the mystical experiences that are actually having the, the, the causing the benefits maybe it's the simple psychological insights that people gain from you know reflecting on their life problems and, and and all this kind of thing and so then that's actually what makes the difference and the other stuff is just kind of like tacked on it's like kind of a decoration really just you know the kind of like uh you know the light show around it uh so if we could get rid of the mystical stuff and just stick with the psychological insights that would be better and then we could control it better etc etc and then he starts in the interview going going to that question which is also very controversial in the psychedelic scene in terms of using things like psilocybin and magic mushrooms to to help people can we extract the active ingredient that actually affects the brain and has makes neurological changes in the brain as a drug without any of the psychotropic the psychedelic you know the psychomimetic ex, uh, experiential effects at all so you don't have any experience whether it's mystical or psychological but it still makes you better 
So can we like, like find a pill that kind of fixes your brain, but you don't have to go through the trip. You don't have to go through anything. You don't have to go through any, any of this messy mental stuff, like, you know, learning. So I thought that was really interesting how it kind of like this, the stepping down reduction from the kind of like the mystical heights to the kind of psychological level. Okay, let's get rid of the mystical then. Actually, maybe we don't even need the psychological thing. And let's get back right down to the material. And then, you know, the, the dream is we can just fix people like you'd fix an engine, you know, like you see, you're saying like you'd be a jet wash for your car, not just that, but we, you know, if we could just, just find the right ingredient to fix the engine, uh, you know, the, the person as a machine, then wouldn't that be brilliant? So again, the, the naturalist, naturalism devolves to this kind of mechanistic view of like trying to like deal with people uh, in, this, in this way. Uh, so I kind of wrote a thing, kind of trying to argue for my my kind of approach you know my my um, handle on twitter is holy psychedelics and so then what i'm trying to do is i'm keep i'm trying to keep the holy side of psychedelics and in a way what that means is that's basically shamanism because shamanism is basically altered states of consciousness you know taking psychedelics peyote ayahuasca whatever it happens to be within the context of a spiritual worldview that so that it, it's a sacred sacrament that you take that takes you through a journey you have a vision question or whatever it's transformative but it, it is within this worldview that that is broadly religious let's say and that that's the thing that connects you and that heals you and so then my kind of like my claim is that all the mental health problems that we're seeing in society all the kind of uh fragmentation that we're seeing all the other kind of atomization etc etc ultimately traces itself back to the loss of this sense of connection basically the the the, the death of religion the death of god ultimately uh and that the, the the only cure the only way back to the garden of eden the only way back to that that, that connection is rediscovering that sense of the sacred in ourselves and nature you know rediscovering our, our own religions uh, and not more and more science, you know, more and more carefully, carefully done experiments, you know, it's that that's not gonna, that's not gonna do it. Do you know what I mean? You can't fix people with a magic pill uh, like they're a machine. People have to learn themselves internally, introspectively, which basically means spiritually. They have to, we have to, you know, we're hu human beings are, meaning seeking creatures and we are you know we're embedded in 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 way way larger contexts and stories than just the very limited scientific one if i was going to ask you this question and this is a question i've asked a lot of times and i've never gotten the same answer as somebody um if people are redeemable i've always said everyone is redeemable and then people always say well bill cosby charles manson i'm like i think everyone's redeemable but do you have the amount of effort and time and willingness to be able to find out what that redeemable quality is you know we don't try what i had an idea of is uh psychedelics for convicts you know you give convicts psychedelics trying to find like something so scary it wakes you up but i think if there is a higher power people talk about then wouldn't the smartest option be to let you be a child this inconceivable any idea if you tell a child to do something kids probably going to do exactly what you told them not to do 
is probably going to do the opposite of what you told them to do. And then it's kind of like where they say, you know, when you're young, you're supposed to make mistakes. You're supposed to have this journey. I don't think there's something that people talk about like that fixes you or corrects you. I think it's constantly a work in progress. Leonardo da Vinci believed that art was never finished, just left undone. He believes you can always add something to a painting. If you write down a grocery list, you'll always have another item to add the less stuff you have in your fridge or whatever it continues on to. I look at like, I think when people take psychedelics just to make sure that they're still on the right path is what they talk about using. I think there's constantly a correction that you need to be doing. I think the reason why you take something like that and get so far off the path and it's like kind of realizing all the mistakes you've ever made is like you're supposed to understand that's what's going to happen. Why would what you're you're not when you're doing something bad and you do it for a long period of time, you get used to it to where you don't consider it bad anymore. If you eat like crap your whole entire life, and then by the time you're 30, you realize, oh my God, I'm way out of shape. You don't notice those small changes. You just notice what happens after that drastic time when you choose to pay attention to it. They're not going to give the kid the spatial reasoning and the development to be able to understand what how to correct things that are wrong in your life. This is the time to make mistakes. And then when you get to an older point, you take that path of psychedelics and you realize how much gunk is left onto your soul that you're trying to correct. There's a point to that. The, the farther you go, like the and back in history to the beginning of when the automobile was first made, the harder it is, is going to be to restore it. A 1990 restoration is going to be different from a 1960 something. It's going to be a lot harder to find the part. It's going to be a lot harder to be able to turn it into this clean new thing. But once you hit the road again, you're going to start tacking on some dirt and tacking on some miles. That's kind of like this whole journey, this spiritual thing. People talk about the universe. If you ask my honest opinion about everyone says like, God is the God is earth. God is everything. God is all around us. I don't know if I necessarily believe that. I think necessarily in my feeling of my thoughts right now, I think the earth is an energy force just like us. And the amount of energy we give off, it receives and the energy receives back into us. It's like a compatible thing. We're two parts of the same spirit. I put up a tweet about socks, for instance. I said, I wonder what my other sock thinks when I lose its relationship, its lover, its one connective person. I lose it. Then what? I toss the other one out. Does it ever go through depression? It's a bit of a joke, but you can turn it into something serious. When you look at it, I think we all come in pairs, not as people. I think we're connected to something the human race is connected to its environment or the things around it, which is this earth that we live on. It's our home. We call it our home, but people bring it to a bigger realization of God, which I think is important because it gives you more respect for what you're living on. But I think if we consider God, the earth, it's like scratching at a giant toe. You're just scratching at the toe. Where's the rest of it? There's a lot more. I think it's this whole fabrication of this galaxy and universe we in is something more magical. That's a more omnificent being in my mind, rather than just labeling it down to just earth, not Mars, yeah, just yeah. earth. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. Well, all right, let's go to, let's go, let's go to the, the ray of creation then. Okay. <laughs> so th this isn't something I've talked about, is it? So, so no, so, so yeah. So this is a kind of way of, of conceptualizing reality again as a multidimensional thing. Yeah. So it's not just us. It's not just us and the earth. It's, it's got levels and layers and uh, science has done an incredible job of, of really breaking down and analyzing certain of those levels kind of below our level, let's say below the human. So we can 
we know we've got incredible microscopes we can actually see the cells in our bodies we can you know we can go even further with electron microscopes to the atoms within and then so that so so that basic reality extends into the microcosm below us and within us and into the macrocosm up you know into the galaxy and the universe and and again through science we have the technologies we telescopes to 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 really extend that and both ways in the you know in this throughout this 20th century have been hugely 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 extended so you know not many people know that you know before well you know at the time of newton they literally thought the universe was basically the solar system was basically it they didn't really quite get what all the stars were so they were obsessed by all the planetary motions and they built all their things you know with, with these mechanistic things with the the moon going around the earth and the first the earth in the, in the center and then and then the heliotropic when when they have the sun in the center but still it was like it's pretty much the solar system then you know in the beginning of the 20th century it was the milky way was the universe they didn't really they couldn't we're going to see beyond that now we know that there's literally trillions of galaxies like our own you know and that there's however many billions of stars within so basically the universe has got way infinitesimally bigger than we'd ever imagined before and the the microcosm has got way smaller and, and and more intricate through the quantum than we could ever have imagined before you know going way down through protons quarks and gluons and all the rest of it so everything's got really really big but the all the attempts to to create a kind of theory of everything a kind of scientific theory of everything where they they, they kind of like synthesize the you know general relativity and quantum mechanics and that kind of stuff it's kind of missing the point if you think about the evolution of the universe as as nested hierarchy of levels so this is where the, where i talk about the ray of creation so if you think about the evolution of the universe from the beginning and we assume a a void to begin with some kind of emptiness i call that amun which is in the egyptian is the egyptian the invisible god okay so let's say before the big bang Okay, you get into problems when you start talking about before, but there is a sense where there is a, a void. Okay, then the next level up is Ra, which is the sun god, and this represents energy. So this is literally the Big Bang. So the whole energy of the universe is Ra. So we're there. Okay, then the next level up is Atom, which is okay. This is going to take a little while, but I'll try and speed up. I I, I know what you're going towards. You know that. where I'm going. You're yeah. going. Okay, okay, I'll go quickly there. So Atom is material, you know, kind of like matter. So the universe. Uh, car is life that's the life force that's cellular life bar is mind so that's like consciousness of, of organisms uh, gaia as i said is, is the the earth and then finally it's jar which is you could say the universe but it's probably the galaxy because i think it seems that they have found however many 10 or 100 billion planets in our own galaxy that have are similar enough to the earth that they could potentially sustain life so we've never seen any aliens but it's it's quite plausible statistically that that not only the universe but our own galaxy is literally teeming with 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 life with other planets that have that that, that can sustain life so if you think about it that you know as each higher level is an integration of all the levels below it so that basically the earth is an integration of all of the separate individual organisms consciousnesses life forms on earth 
integrating as one in a similar way that all of your cells and, in, and your neurons and your brain and cells in your body integrate in some mysterious way into one thing, which is you, which is you as an organism. So that there's a process in the evolution of the many continuously becoming the one in the same way that within a cell, there's trillions of atoms, you know, complex and simple molecules, etc., that all synthesize and organize into one cell, which again is a new unity. The whole, the same pattern repeats again and again. So that we can imagine that as the earth evolves into one entity, one consciousness, you could say, Gaia consciousness, that then will continue on with other with planets then starting to to to, to organize themselves and to uh, into into higher and higher entities. So the whole idea is that the universe is basically evolving in waking up into one giant organism, and 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 we're basically nested within this process and it sounds kind of super crazy but actually it's quite well supported by the science if you look at it it makes sense just thinking of reality as an organism rather than as a machine which is the old you know kind of um pre-copernic and or newtonian vision of the universe as a clockwork you know uh, if it's an organism that's growing then it has all these different relations between these these levels and uh, and then we can start to understand how we relate to those levels does that make sense a tad bit i think it gets a little bit too out there when we start hitting like we barely even understand the one that we're on right now when we start adding in other factors when it comes into space like people always bring up the at the factor of space is infinite i'm like how do you know how do you know if space is infinite? We've never reached an ending. Yeah, but how far have we really gone? We haven't gone super far. It's like saying the world ends after my street, but I can never leave my driveway. It's like, okay, well, how are you going to know if the street ends because it's out of your line of view? It doesn't, I, there's so much about it where I look at it like, I think a lot of stuff, you're never going to change anybody's mind. And that's not the point of this. I think the whole point of this is trying to understand what is your best representation in your own mind to be able to live on this planet without any unbearable guilt or any unbearable torn soul fragments to it. I kind of had, all right, so I'll give you another dream. Um, so this one was just actually two nights ago. So I, it's weird. I've, I've never had like a dream, like two dreams in a week. That's nuts. Um, I mostly, cause it's, I only sleep for like an hour or two and then it feels like 10 years, but I was sitting on a couch watching a TV and I was flipping through the channels and it had like 999 channels and I'm flipping. It's like, there's nothing good to watch. Everything's like a commercial or everything's like something like a music channel. I'm like, I don't want to. I'm sitting there flipping through the remote, like, oh my God, like, where's a good channel? Like, I just want to watch show tune. I don't care. I want to watch something like a movie. I am legend. Let's play that. And I'm looking through and there's nothing there. And I just grab the remote and I toss it across the room and I just go, there's nothing to watch. And then I hear a voice goes, I could, I, I could give you infinite channels and you would still be undecisive. And I'm just like, what? Like one choice is never an, like there's there's all these choices it's never enough you can't just be happy with one and it's just like coming out of nowhere and i'm like 
what? And then the dream ends. And I start to look at that a little bit more. Like how many times have I been given an answer I haven't been happy with? How many times have people been given an answer they haven't been happy with? How many times are you really happy with the answer that you get? Or how many, what are you even expecting? So many people expect an answer, but they don't, they're not happy with the one that they get, not even knowing the one that they want. You never know what you want. Your eyes are bigger than your mouth is a lot of the times. A lot of people want an answer, but a lot of people don't know which direction they want it to be in. I don't know what channel I wanted, and I could have been happy with the one I was on if I just truly embraced the one that I was on. I didn't want to accept it. Instead, I wanted to toss the remote like a child and not fully accept it. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. I need to start writing these down, but some of them leave me the next day where I'm like thinking about it like, what the fuck did that mean? Like Jesus, I met him at a Taco Bell. I was like, what the fuck does that have to? And everything was just like this deeper quote. And I'm not a religious person in the slightest, but I'm willing to understand it as much as the next person I can get. I think everyone comes to the same conclusion in a multitude of factors. But with all these religions that talk around the same premise that have like the same notes of something, uh, uh, each one has the same note of something in it, a, a higher being or a higher beings. There's always something that correlates a small piece to the same exact puzzle where I look at it like, man, it seems like we've just scratched a surface and we're not even getting down to the core layer because we're so willing to separate into our own groups and our own sides rather than come to the conclusion that there might be a piece of everything involved into the mix. When you look at the Last Supper, you can sit there and be like, Oh, yeah, Jesus was involved in that. Oh, yeah, this person was involved in that. Well, there was more than one person that was involved into it. So why would there be more than one answer to something when you could look at the multitude of reasons why there could be more? And people say, well, it doesn't fit the one that I have, or this is not the one that I know. It's like, okay, well, we all have different paths in life. You have different shoes than I, I have a size 13 shoe. Do you have a size 13 shoe? Mm-hmm. I, I, I do not. I do not. You hit this. Have a size you hit this level <laughs> where it's like, why do we want to blanket and make everyone think that we think, rather than just understand that the way you think is the way you've adapted and you've survived. It's the ones and zeros that have constructed you to who you yeah. are, rather okay. than except Let, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but the, okay. There's also the 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 social element in which. We're not just individuals, but obviously we, we, the reality that we see and that we uh, exist in depends on these things that we've learned. What's, that, what's I, I heard that little kid scream. He, that was a long scream. <laughs> There's a school here and they're crazy. They're crazy. They're learning. Uh, when it's playtime, they're learning by screaming, which is brilliant. No, they're, they're, yeah, it's great. It's like scream <laughs> therapy. You ever scream out yeah, your problem? Exactly. Exactly. No, no, but it's true. They really, they have a great time. But it's kind of annoying for us. Anyway, uh, what were we saying? You, you, were, t- uh, you were talking. Oh about- yeah, the social thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, another interesting thing that following up on the thing about psychedelic provides comforting delusions. I I posted my response to that, and then someone replied and tweeted. Uh, I quote: "I had a mystical experience, but still reemerged as a naturalist." Because what else is happening but the uh, drug beautifully interacting with my brain? 
I thought he was going to tell you to fuck off. I'm sorry. I was, I was 100% <laughs> expecting some dick response. <laughs> no, no. It was basically, it's basically saying that, okay, this was amazing, beautiful experience, mystical experience. But when I came back, it was like, okay, that was great. But what was it? But a drug. It was just a drug beautifully interacting with my brain. So I'm still a naturalist. Okay. So, uh, well, well, yeah. well, why would we sit there and question what that person ha has experienced? So I'm not, I'm not questioning. I'm just saying that that's that's her conclusion. Yeah, that's her conclusion. That uh, and so then I, I kind of got back and said, well, yeah, that's a very common problem that people come back and then just say, oh, I was just a drug. And then she said, I don't see that as a problem. And I was like, well, fair enough. Okay, so it's not a problem. Um, but going back to the the story in my response i started thinking again about the garden of eden and so it's not a problem if you don't mind not being in uh paradise yeah if you don't mind being in the garden of eden because what you could again this is the, the more traditional view of what that apple is in the garden because the, the, the story i told before the gnostic story is that you should eat the apple because the apple will open your eyes and that's what we need to evolve but there is a sense for example, when she was in the mystical experience on the psychedelic, she was super high. I've no idea what the details were, but it was probably kind of blissful love and connection and la 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 la. I don't know if she had any theistic God stuff going on or just just whatever. Uh, you could say that in that state, she was connected. She was it was all one. It was all great. It was all beautiful. She was kind of in a state of um, of blessedness, of bliss of, you know, she was in the garden, let's say. And then like Eve, in a way, she ate the apple of knowledge. And what was that? It's just a simple thought. It's just a drug. And then, and then once you once it wears off, it's gone, and it's and it's gone. And then you're back in the hard reality. You know, as they describe it in the in, in Genesis, uh, hard labor. Ultimately, the hard you till the soil it's with the sweat of your brow, and the woman has to kind of give birth, and you know everything is really hard and in a sense it's kind of like dry and hard it hasn't got that juicy blissful spiritual connected you know wonderment you know that maybe has this innocence of childhood etc etc so in a way there's a fall that happens when you come down from the from that drug you've had a glimpse of paradise you've had a glimpse of because a mystical experience is just a temporary glimpse of a mystical state so a state is when you're in that condition that all the time so you know whatever the tradition religious traditions buddhist or hindu or whatever you know uh, the saints and the mystics they talk about a state of enlightenment where you are like that pretty much all the time and sober you don't have to take the drugs but this is so in a way the way i see it is that the psychedelic is a is a tool that can give you that glimpse it's a window into a state of being that is possible for human beings which is a state of 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 of, of harmony and, and and integration and connection and all the rest of it which we don't normally live in but the mystery is that not everyone kind of really longs for that so some people when they come back from that experience that mystical experience is like i want that what do i do to get that well i can't just keep taking drugs because i'll end up like a junkie so i have to find like like sensible real ways to do that in the world sober so that I can approximate to that, that state as much as possible. So what can I do? I can do yoga, maybe I can do meditation, I can do all these things, I can train myself. 
and I know what I'm heading for because I have a goal because I've seen it. So I've had the vision. I've had the beatific vision. Now I need to do the work to get there. And not everyone wants to do that. And that's kind of the mystery. Why is it that some people like that's that's a calling that calls them. And for some people, it's just not. And they're just like happy to. Well, that was kind of cool. That was kind of cool, kind of weird. But, you know, this is reality. And I, I'm happy with this. Ultimately, with this worldview, I think that partly going back to that thing of like of naturalism and that often it's what our opinions and our beliefs about the world can even trump our own like well-being or our, even our own benefit because we kind of get more attached to let's say the tribe that we identify with than any, so for example if you really identify with with atheism and, and all your friends are atheists and you've always been, had this view then you know that the religious people are the 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 the, the enemy in a way or at least they're the outsiders they're like they're, 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 they're not us you know what i mean it's that us and them thing and that mentality is so powerful that that can really that can be enough to 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 block you from any further progress and that also is part of the knowledge of good and evil that eating the apple is this dividing between good and evil what what is in what is out what is us what is them you know of this duality of like splitting people up of dividing people up and i think this is exactly what we're seeing with the whole culture war etc and with how how the culture is becoming more and more fragment, fragmented as people get more and more tribal is this lack of this sense of unity that kind of can contain it all and just divide passing everything up and cutting everything up into anyway that's the, the that, best that's, way i can understand it or explain it would be is if you had a computer with a link cable and you get to link up to any other computer around you but instead of you've been so confined to how your computer is personalized to you that you break the link cable to be able to understand anybody else's computer, right, be able to interact right. with anybody else's computer. It's like a bubble. You're in a bubble, basically. And yeah. it's, it's, it's not wrong. If people want to build up into their cultures and build up into their community as much as possible and not accept any new information, the issue that I have is when you start to dismiss someone else's. I think every little piece, every little fragment, whether you were talking about spiritualist, naturalist, whatever you want to say, someone that's pro this or someone that's pro that, it doesn't matter. I've had a dream where I've had oh, another one. I've had conflicted. Um, this is a while ago, so I might get some of this wrong, but I had a confliction with like, it was like I was at a debate table. And I don't debate. I don't I don't. There's no point. It's just arguing back and forth with no progress being done rather than trying to understand anything. And someone's asking questions like, what is this? What is this? And then it hit a topic where I thought the person I was was severely into this topic. And then there's a curtain in the middle, like a wall, like I couldn't see what was on the other side. So I couldn't see where my opponent was. And then this voice just coming back with the opposite of everything I'm saying. And I'm like, it's something is like kids should get free lunches something pick that topic that's something i'm like what that's not even why are we even arguing that's a dumb thing to even argue kids should get free lunches if they need a lunch they need a lunch it's, you want to feed a small kid who's starving i was that kid at one point and i remember this thing was going against me the whole entire time and then like it got to like the last question like that's the end of the debate i'm just like who won and like it was just silent and i was like did he win and i just jumped to a conclusion i get up off my little debate stand wherever i'm at and i just move the wall or the curtain or whatever and it's me i'm debating mm. myself and i didn't yeah. know it was me and it's like the biggest conflicts that you have are truly yeah. with yourself when you yeah, start yeah, to look yeah. into things 
but it, yes. you could take it a multitude of ways. I, the issue is I don't like when one person says, no, it's because of this. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. fine that you think that way. But I think like we say, a small piece to the giant puzzle. I think everyone's right in this sense that we're all discovering something that best rationalizes and personalizes what our beliefs are in. And yeah, I would yeah, never yeah, discern yeah. anybody from I, having one. I agree. I agree. I mean, that reminds me of, of a couple of times I had these experiences on very high dose psychedelics which is about the nature of duality itself so it, it, it it's like a yin yang so ultimately any position you take there's always the opposite and you can always argue the opposite and actually as you start digging deep into one so the black dot in the white bit or the the opposite you end up in the other the other side and it keeps going around so things like the liberalism conservatism or, or, or the naturalism with the with a spiritual view both are true as you say uh but there's some higher kind of unity beyond beyond that that you can kind of like see how the two sides are the same the same thing and in a way that felt like in this experience a level of dimension of reality that beyond that there is this unifying sense where it all kind of comes together and i think the problem is which is kind of like god ultimately yeah this this the, the one like or you know the, the kind of neoplatonists the greeks would, would just call it the one and the thing is that once you lose the one then all of those dualities and their infinite amount of dualities that they sort of break apart and they lose their sense of their own internal kind of unity. And that's when people take sides and stay on one side of a curtain or the other. And that's it. And they, they, they dig their heels in and it's like, you're wrong. We're right. You're bad. We're good. And that's when you start dividing up. And then, so the, the, again, going back to the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that's when everything breaks down, when everything is divided in a, with a hard marker between this and that yes and no black and white ones and zeros ultimately and then we construct a reality of ones and zeros so it's not that that this is a simulation and behind it is this code which is binary it's that we've imposed the binary code on a unified reality by not understanding the nature the the kind of yin yang tai chi nature of of reality how the Tao, which is in, in chinese cosmology the one contains these dualities and how you can move fluidly between them without having to take one side or the other so in terms of the naturalism spiritualism thing for example the reason why i think the ray of creation idea of these dimensions is so useful is because it kind of integrates or brings science and religion together because you can start to understand how you as related in terms of the higher higher power we are related to the next in the way that for example a cell if you think that for example everything is conscious yeah the panpsychism is take that is red your cells are conscious okay they're alive at least so if you can sort of empathize imagine what it must be like to be a cell or a neuron in your brain maybe some of them have an intimation that they're part of something larger which is you as an organism for the cell you are god you're the next higher level within which the cell has you know moves and lives and has its being yeah the atoms within the cell for them the cell is god for us, the earth is God, you know, the, the, the whole planet to, as, one, as one whole is God for the earth and, and on it goes. So in a way, the idea of God is, is, uh, can, be, can be integrated with the idea of science as we can see it unfolding in these levels, these dimensions of through evolution. Uh, okay, conceptually, you can see how as you dig down into either the naturalism or the spirit, 
side, you can sort of see how they're sort of connected. And then that kind of like opens you to be able to, to get a, to, to include it all. And, and then that opens the way up to these high levels of, of a mystical awareness and consciousness and knowledge and understanding, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas, you know, I'm just religious or I'm just a naturalist. You instantly close yourself down and then and there's no way back to Eden. So ultimately this is all about working out how we can get back to this, you know, this state that we should be in, which is a state of, of uh, alignment with reality, ultimately. A never ending journey. Basically. Yeah. This is a lot better than the last one we did. I reckon. Yeah. You feel Good. better about I'm it. Glad you agree. I feel better about that. Yeah. <laughs> Deeper one. Less, less politics. Yeah. I'm going to have to yeah. write uh, some of that stuff I said down too in this episode. Some good, <laughs> good cookie pad good information stuff. in there. And some great dreams as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I think it's very important to just understand that knowledge is this vast flow of information and you can consume all of, you can consume as much as you think that is all of it, but there's always more to consume. I think the issue is, is that when you consume and like, for instance, I've talked to so many people, I've gotten so many experiences in my head where I was like, fuck it. I don't need any more new people. I can just talk to, to, to past guests or I could do this. And the way I was thinking of it was like, I've consumed all that there is for me to be able to learn all that I can handle at this moment, all this vessel or this person I am. And I'm like, no, it can go farther. But also at the same time, there's deeper discussions to be had below the surface of those conversations I had before it. This whole new season is just returning guests and it's going to be some new ones sprinkled in shore. But it's also a, a factor of availability, comfortability. I mean, you've been on before, so you know who I am. You know, I'm not like this guy that's like, let me tell you this or this or that. No, I just, I, it's, it's easier. It's a deeper discussion. It's a longer discussion. It goes into a better understanding of a more of a community vibe because the tension was broken after the first episode. And I think that's like with anything. We never let our discussions boil down more than a heated argument after the first 10 or 15 minutes, you know, somebody, or we never let it go past that first layer. It's constantly evolving. It's constantly getting deeper. It's constantly a better understanding of what it is of who we are as people as well, too. And our ideas will change. Our minds will morph. I think that's so important for people to understand when they consider disclaiming somebody or saying this person doesn't know anything or just running off with the first conclusion. I say it's much deeper than that. Their understanding is how they've developed here. Now, let them take you through a walkway or a path or a timeline of what happened and how the events that they have understood what they understand now have occurred in their life. You know, I'll never be able to understand your full history. You'll never be able to understand mine. But it's not for lack of trying. You know, it's something important that we should do as people. We are inherently supposed to work together. We are born. Nothing would bring us into existence and then have us all sit here just to watch this fight. It would be something that we work together, but the way we've built up our different mindsets and ideals and trying to disclose others has put us into this back and forth tirade and fighting. 
I think it's a lot deeper than that when you can create a bigger thing that is much more like the reason I use those zeros and ones. It's the best representation for people that don't really have a spirituality background or spiritual understanding. It's an easier way for people that want to hear the science and want to hear the knowledge behind, but it's the same correlation to people. It's like trying to explain God to a, to a, to a cow. The cow's not going to fucking understand it. You're not going to understand what's the deeper understanding of the universe or omnificent energy when it comes to zeros and ones is the best representation you can have because how can you explain a flow of time, explain a flow of life force? But how, how could you describe it? Describe it as this white little magical dust that lives inside of a per It sounds nuts. So you got to try and find a way that you can meet a common ground with a lot of things too. It's not necessarily that the person is wrong. It's necessarily of trying to understand how that person thinks and yeah. being able to find easier ways to communicate those. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. You like that. Definitely. Very nice. Yeah. Where can uh, <laughs> people find you, Sebastian? Uh, so yeah, my website, uh, www.pachananda.com. Why don't you just say World Wide Web? World Wide, is what you say, World Wide Web? It's, it's faster. It's actually, it is actually faster, right? World Wide, yeah. okay, yeah. Or maybe just, why don't, yeah, anyway, yeah, World it's Wide It's weird web. the world worked, we say www. www, it's actually quite hard, I quite like saying www, it's quite, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, pachananda.com, pachananda, so bliss of the earth, it means uh and on twitter so holy psychedelics uh or at seb Gaeta and i'll the... link that in the description so for people that are like me that only heard a bit of that because their mind goes off on the universe again um i'll make sure it's all in the description and thanks for listening to this episode of out of the blank podcast